welcome. This is a super important podcast about hair. Question mark. Featuring Ryan Teal and Stephen Adams as your co-hosts. Let's begin. Well, today we're going to be talking with Derek. Can you hear us there, Ryan? What? It's working. Working it. Oh. Are you guys recording? Yeah, we're recording right now. You can always edit this. We can edit this part out if we want, but. There's there's a salesman that works at Erosia that is a friend of a friend of mine. A salesman? A salesman. (laughs) A salesman, Michael? Yep. Yeah. He's a great dude, man. He's, a, he's a, a real good friend of a friend of mine, uh, the, well, okay. uh, the director of sales for uh, the distributor I work with. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's a really good guy. And actually, he said that he loves uh, my your podcast, Ian. Nice. Awesome. People have been listening to it. I've been really oh, bad at looking at the numbers. People. And I talk about it on all my shit that I've been doing lately. Yeah, I do too. Well, you do a lot more than I do. I'm trying to put out uh, four pieces a day. Yeah, I like your new, the, I like, I love your positive. <laughs> That's positive, really rare for me. Positive outlook. It's really a unique outlook. <laughs> or stop your bitch and everybody thinks you fucking suck. <laughs> no, he's actually, he's actually been posting um, uh, about people he likes in the industry and why he respects them. Which I think is really that's freaking awesome. cool. Yeah, that's hairdressers awesome. I like. Yeah, hairdressers I like. I I love it. I've only listened to the Sam Vito one so far, and I thought that was like really awesome. I did Robert Crowings today. Yeah, I saw that you did that. I haven't looked listened to it yet. It's okay. I mean, he's he's a good guy. He's a good guy. I mean, I, I owe him my whole fucking career probably. I mean, we actually we were just talking, we were talking about, about him earlier today. Yeah. We have, I admire him a lot. Yeah. yeah. So today we have. Mr. D. Anthony, Derek Anthony, all the way in from Nyack, uh, New York, and he's in Minnesota, and he's not, it's not snowing. It's not cold, it's sunny, you can see the sun coming in through the shades here. <laughs> exactly, it's a beautiful day. Ryan, we need to get you up here to Minnesota. I really want to come, I really want to come to Minnesota. It's been a while, I, I've got a bottle of Powers waiting for you to be... That's <laughs> what <laughs> we should be sharing, we should we're, be sharing with you. We're having a little... Uh, little templeton rye right now oh good i like templeton rye that's that's a good one that's a really good one yeah it's mm-hmm. good stuff they make a vodka too if i remember correctly do they do they i think they do i think i think templeton makes a vodka that's stored in bourbon barrels mm-hmm. and so it's a brown vodka it's so good wow huh. i'm gonna have to look for that yeah that would be awesome so we 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 were thinking like today i would really love to talk about technology okay how does that sound <laughs> I don't know much about it, so I'll give a mouth check. <laughs> That's good. I mean, technology, I think technology in salons and in our industry, I think is kind of a, it's kind of a, something that we have to look at, especially moving forward into the future. So um, I know that Derek is really passionate about it. We've talked a lot about it over the last few years. And yeah. I think it might be, yeah, you might learn something. Definitely. Well, I, I, you know, I love, I love the hairdresser story. So I still, I, you know, I don't really know your story very much, Derek. So I'd love to hear that. Yeah. And I totally think we should get into, get into some technology. I think that'd be a good idea. Yeah, sure. Well, let's talk. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about 
little bit about your history. Who are you? Uh, So who am I? You know, so Derek Anthony is uh, my first and middle name. My last name is actually Maldonado. So I just go by my stage name, Derek Anthony, because it's easier for everyone to pronounce instead of my Puerto Rican last name. But I'm from New York, born and raised. Um, I've only ever done hair for my whole life. That's what my life has really been about. I started hair school when I was 15 years old. I went to a small little like vocational tech school that we call BOCES. Uh, in our area, um, and you had the ability to go to that school for half of the day during high school in 11th and 12th grade, and then you could be at your home school for the other half of the day. So I spent the first half of the day in the mornings at my normal high school, and then the other half of the day we went over to Bosey's, and I did that for 11th and 12th grade. Worked in a hair salon uh, during that time, shortly thereafter, shortly after starting hair school, started working in a hair salon, started assisting and shampooing and doing those kind of things. And I would call that a very, I guess I would say, with, respectfully, I would say, a stereotypical type of an experience where large salon, maybe 28 to 30 hairdressers, um, really no training system uh, fully implemented aside from standing next to someone or shampooing. Um, and that was kind of the extent of training. No real class structure or anything like that. So mom and pop, again, respectfully speaking, because many of us run our salons this way or start that way. Um, so I then got a job, uh, in Nyack, which is the town that I now own my salon, very close to where I went to school and in the whole County, but it's kind of the premier, one of the premier towns, um, where it's on the uh, Hudson river, we're 30 minutes North of Manhattan. So we're a very central, um, located town. There's a new bridge that was just built formerly called the Tappan Zee bridge, uh, which is now called the Mario Cuomo Bridge, which is a brand new bridge built. So it was kind of cool to see over the past four years an entire bridge built in front of you that'll be up for the next hundred or so years. And that connects Westchester and Rockland County. So Westchester okay. County is another very, very well-known county in the area of New York, yeah. one of the highest taxes in all of the country. Actually, I think it's ranked the highest outside of California. It was um, nice that they named the bridge uh, the Mary Cuomo Bridge, the, the Robert Cummings' wife. I, th- I think... What you have a bridge I think it's Mario. Mario. <laughs> <laughs> well, people, it's funny that you say that because people in my area we refuse to acknowledge the new name and we still call it the Tappanzee Bridge. So, okay, we don't care about the Mario. So that was but, that know, was the bridge that we, we when I was out there we drove across exactly. it and part of it was like the, the old bridge was like exactly. being blown up. Yep. So now you'll oh, see. Wow. That old bridge is all gone. They had like literally an explosion where they exploded the old bridge and fell down into the water and they picked up the pieces. It's been quite an ordeal in our area. Um, And my salon, well, let me go back for a moment. So I started working in in the area uh, for a decade. I worked there for 10 years as a hairdresser. And again, your stereotypical type of of an experience where we were in a beta concept salon. So we worked closely with a beta concept or a beta product. And we were a Veda color as well. So I learned color kind of the hard way because a Veda was a bit challenging to learn oh, when it came yeah. to color, for sure still is, I would say. But they give you a lot of creative freedom. Sometimes that creative freedom is a bit much for someone new. Sure. Um, but it was a really great experience. We took two classes a year, their fall, winter launch, and their summer, spring collection. And we went to those classes. It was a two-day thing. And that was like my education. That um, was it. That was it. You know, So I never really – I felt like I was almost self-taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I got to this certain point. It's almost like you're a cook as opposed to a trained chef. And maybe you get to a certain point where you can do certain dishes really, really well, but you can't maybe be more creative with those particular dishes themselves. And then you're finding it hard to like 
see you see other chefs and cooks that can do other things and you're kind of like uh, my my skill set is kind of at a ceiling when it comes to that and i desire to push beyond that so when i opened up my own salon i said you know what i'm going to do it differently i don't know how but i'm going to do it differently than i had ever known but i honestly didn't know anything different so if anybody watches this or when people watch this that connect with what i'm talking about there are there's many hairdressers that are exactly what I'm talking about, where you're kind of like in a place where you don't know how to get to the next step. You desire more success, but you're feeling like you're a little bit stuck in your comfort zone or stuck, even not in the comfort zone, but you don't know what to do next or what to do first. Um, and I think today we'll give you some insight on how to take some next steps in your career if you really desire to do so. It's going to be hard. It's going to take work. It's going to take focus and energy, but you can push your career to wherever you really choose. Uh, you're talking to, you're, you're looking at three hairdressers here that are in really three different parts of the world or parts of the country, excuse me, but very different parts of our careers as well. I mean, Stephen's owned a salon for a long time, multiple salon location owner. His heritage is, goes way far and beyond, you know, because of me, I was just a kid when Stephen was already doing hair. Same thing with Ryan and you're mainly education-based, former salon owner, but you have that, you know, that kind of pedigree. Um, and I'm kind of in the trenches as a young salon owner that's owned for, it'll actually be eight years on the 23rd of August. So very soon, so, eight years. So that's kind of my long and a short story. When I decided to open up my own salon, that was eight years ago or just under eight years ago. And I said, I wanted to do something different. I hooked up with a major manufacturer in Arojo, which um, it was, um, I think it kind of became a little bit organic in the sense that based out of New York City, so very easy for me to get to proximity wise, was a well-known name at the time because Nick had just come off of television from what not to wear. The product line was brand new and exciting and just launched into the area or into the industry for that matter. Um, and when I opened up my own salon, I said, you know what, I'm gonna check this out. And I started going to some of the classes and I went to a Happy Mondays event that I really enjoyed, really got inspired by. And it just snowballed where I said, you know what, I wanna get myself trained. So one of my pieces of advice for new salon owners or even just new uh, hairdressers that are looking to like get themselves to the next step. Um, sometimes in this world right now that we live in, there is such an overabundance of information that it's overwhelming. Like yeah. you literally don't know where to look, where to start, where to go. You watch one video, they say one thing, you watch another video, it contradicts what you just watched. Um, and it can be incredibly confusing. Um, and that's what happened to me. I felt confused by all the different classes that I took as opposed to feeling like I was getting a foundation or a structure. Did you, is this where you're like, you're gonna talk a little bit about boot camp? Yeah, that, this is like kind of, this is was the, I think in hindsight, now that I see it, this is how I can tell the timeline of how it happened, you know, but yeah. this was the beginning of before I even knew what boot camp even was, you know, and it like boot camp didn't even exist to me in my mind yet. Um, but I saw at least I could plant my feet in one technical way of thinking until I could like get a foundation because I didn't come up through Sassoon or through Tony and Guy or through Bumble or any of that where, you know, it was all just, again, kind of like winging it. In, uh, in a sense. Mm -hmm. At that point, I said, you know, I'm going to commit to just one manufacturer that I really believed in, that I, that I could connect to their education. Um, and I realized that Scissor Foundation was behind all of the razor work, which really spoke to me because I didn't have a core Scissor Foundation the way I needed to. I was like, on a scale of one to 10, I was a five and I wanted to get to a nine or a 10. Sure. Um, it wasn't bad, but I wasn't great. I was just mediocre. Um, and I wanted to push past that. Uh, so that's when I started to really delve into education and really like immersed myself in every class I could possibly take through Arojo's Academy. And what Stephen was just saying, I eventually took boot camp where I spent an entire month at Arojo 
five days a week, but also went back to my salon Fridays and Saturdays and worked and learned and everything from one full week of all scissor, one full week of all color, one full week of men's haircutting and styling. The styling portion was so far, I'm not a hairstyler, I'm a haircutter, a hairdresser. I wasn't like an updo person. So that really pushed me outside of my box to do a classic chignon or French twist or even just a classic ponytail, to be honest. And then the final week was a full razor week, which really spoke to me. And that's where I decided to kind of push my skill set forward more. And now, um, for those that know who I am or don't, I work really closely with the Rojo. I'm one of the main platform artists. I teach all over the country, mainly in razor education, but especially also in Scissor Foundation, which I think is so much more important than anything you can do. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So you started your salon eight years ago. I remember I met you, I think, the first time, right when you first opened your, your doors, I think. Yeah, it was At that, that horrible, like, competition in, in Las Vegas with, uh, what, what was his name, man? That, that horrible human being. Peter Anthony. That's it. That's it. I just wasn't a, invited there, so I can say whatever I want. No, I, I can say whatever I want. I'll punch the guy in a stomach. Oh, I still love Peter. Peter Anthony's still one of my good friends. Love him. Okay, well, I'm sorry about that. I'm not sorry for saying that. I'm sorry that he's your friend. I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, you started working with, uh, so you weren't working with Arojo before opening your salon. You actually just decided to, to start just getting education. After you opened your salon, you started getting education. And then you got close to Nick. Is that, is that what it, what it yeah. was? I had never worked for any manufacturer. I had never been an, an, um, an educator. I had never even been enough of a student to even think about becoming an educator. And that's what I mean, where I was kind of like in my own box, in my own world of hairdressing where so many hairdressers in America it's like we work at a salon we're in this box that's where we work we come to work every morning we go home maybe we go to the local hair show once a year if you're in New York it's IBS if you're in Chicago it's ABS if you're in you know the California area it's it's ISSE and you know maybe if you're in the you know down south you go to the the big Birmingham show or what you know whatever the local show is maybe that's that's like your connection to the bigger industry and I felt like I was missing something in in my career because I hadn't been enough in touch with that. And what happens a lot of times is that if you do just do the hair shows once a year or take a couple of classes, oh, I don't need any more education. I, I don't really need to go out. You did, so jaded, so did, it, did it, did it, done it. That's the, yeah. I, I think every hairdresser that I came in contact with that I worked with, that's what they said. Oh, IBS New York, oh, it stinks, it's, it's, it's old, you don't learn anything. But usually what happens is those hairdressers spend two hours on the show floor where it's a lot of gimmicky stuff happening. Let's be real. There's Mm -hmm. some education happening on the show floor, but a little bit, a little bit, you know, it's much more selling, you know, and then they maybe didn't look in the catalog and start to look at what, you know, what classrooms they could have like engaged in that were included in their ticket that wouldn't even cost them more money. Or maybe they could spend a little bit more and do a hands-on class with someone like Nick or someone like DJ or someone like yourself or Steven or, you know, any honestly, I, what I did back at that time when I started to really, this is even before boot camp, I said, I got to get myself at some other shows outside of New York. So I went online. I looked at what the four major shows were. I blocked them in my schedule and my calendar, and I blocked it out so that I could be there. I remember this. This is a crazy thing. I was looking for my the first time I ever went to um, ABS Chicago. I yeah. opened up the booklet at my in my office, I remember. And I remember that balayage and like hair painting. And I'm not really a colorist, but at that time I was still doing color. And I still do some, but, you know, 
I don't consider myself a colorist, but I knew that it was trending. Balayage and hair painting and all this hand-painted hair, hair color was big, but it wasn't big yet. It was like getting it was big. just when ombre yeah. was starting to become thing. People thought ombre was like an actual technique, not a look. Um, and I opened up the booklet <laughs> and I started looking through and I literally circled the only balayage class that I saw in the book. And who was that? Candy Shaw. Candy Shaw. Yeah. With Wella. Yeah. Of course. And yeah. I took the class and this is literally seven years ago. And Candy and I have been friends ever since me taking that one class. I picked your yeah. name out of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like, I've like never known who I was meeting or what I was doing or what I was learning. But I opened my mind to the idea of just getting somewhere that I had never been to learn from people I hadn't been on. Oh, exactly. You can learn it. You can learn it on YouTube, which is like the WebMD of, of hairdressing. Yeah. But but in reality, it's when you go into a class and you have that one-on-one touch, like like that's how I met DJ. One of my best friends is I saw that he was coming to Portland. I paid a eight hundred fifty. Fifty fucking dollars. Hands on class from DJ. I would never. I'd never paid money for any of it, and I wouldn't do that. And now we're fast friends, man. And I'm glad I did it because I, I had a chance, you know. And and I. I mean, I think that that's really what. I think education to me. I think education is more about that networking, less about what you're actually learning. It's truly about the networking because it's like, it it creates amazing opportunities, and you can like go. You can like build. I don't know. It, anything can happen. You know, it's like I'm heading to Zgat. I'm going to Zgat in Croatia. Oh, uh, no way. Puerto Rico. I'm, <laughs> That's rad. You're going to have two weeks awesome. without me, Ryan. Are you going to handle it? We've had some great times at Zgat. Remember that? Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 I think. Mozilla and Palmer. That was Mozilla and Palmer. Oh, you weren't at Zagat? I wasn't at the Zagat one. Oh, I was okay. at the Mozilla okay. and Palmer one. Yeah, and great time then. Like, yeah. I feel like we're friends with those guys. Yeah, you know, oh, exactly. we, we spent a weekend with them, you know? I do think, I think that you're right. Like, we're, you know, th- listen, the, the class is one thing, and you do learn. It's not like you go there to not learn, of course. Yeah. You to take something away. But if you are willing and able, and you get there a little early, and you connect with other cl- uh, people that are taking the class, those people that are taking the class are thinking the same things you're thinking from different parts of the country. Yeah. And they're also experiencing the same challenges you're experiencing. So now that network opens up and you, now with the ability of social media, you can follow each other and friend request each other and actually stay in touch with each other. Then you get to maybe connect with the instructor and maybe some of the people that are helping the instructor and how that instruct, how those people got in the position that they're able to assist someone like Ryan or DJ or Nick or Rojo or Steven or whatever. Okay. Uh, then you take yeah. the class and then maybe after the class, there's an opportunity where you meet up and you have a drink at the bar or everyone's at the same hotel or you kind of do some research and say, well, where are people meeting up? Whether it's the harebrained meetup or, you know, there are usually hubs in each exactly, city yeah. where a lot of hairdressers will be at, whether it's like an event just at a bar, honestly, where yeah. a lot across from the convention center, whatever. That's honestly where you're going to make like incredible connections yeah. because you can build relationships. I mean, Ryan and I have a friendship like he just, you just said, based off of some random event that we were both brought out to that we would have never probably intersected yeah. had it not been for... I can't believe that's where you guys met. That, was that's that how that, we met, yeah. That, that, that you've never met until that... That literally was it, like six years ago, yeah. And I, I'd never hung out with um, Federico either. I never hung out with that. I knew Adam. Ooh, seriously, yeah. Adam was there. And, yeah. You know, Josh McMitchin. Yeah. Like, we all got a Josh chance to like, hang out together. Heck, that was the first time I ever met Hector. Oh, <laughs> And Hector and I are like, fast friends because of that. Yeah. Now, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I would have never been as good a friend with, with Hector had it not been for that. So the I don't even really like him. Snowball. Wasn't you know? Jacob there too? Yeah, I'm really kidding. Jake was, yeah, J- Jake was there. Yeah, yeah Jake was there. Um, Rolando and Yumi. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, uh, Chris, what's his name? Chris Williams from, from uh, Georgia. Yeah. I'm still there. It was the first time I ever met her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, a lot of the people that are there, yeah, Rolando, I'm still friendly with Rolando literally from yeah. that particular event. Yeah, the more that you continue to build relationships, and that's the thing, like, I, I had this quote on my Instagram yesterday um, that I had done for a presentation when I was talking with um, a group of, I was actually asked by a local distributor to come in and talk with their sales reps to give them a little bit of, like, salon owner perspective from the opposite side of what they're normally used to. And I found this Jerry Maguire quote that was so true. And it said, the key to this business is personal relationships. Oh, exactly. Right. That is just so true for our business. If you can build a personal relationship with your own client, when you stand behind the chair, and if you've been a behind the chair hairdresser, like we still are every single day, and I still have clients that I've been doing mm-hmm. for 10, 15 years all the time, and you learn how to really seriously, genuinely build a real connection with someone that, because you care about more than just their hair, and then you build that outside of that. That's what I mean. Like I only had those relationships for so long in my career that it was like I got to a certain point where I had done that. Not that I wanted to eliminate that, but I wanted to build on that. Right. And I didn't have those relationships with other hairdressers or other salon owners. Yeah. I couldn't reach out to someone like Steven and say, hey, I'm having this challenge. What have you done when you had that challenge? Or Steven to be like, vice versa, Derek, what are you doing? It's a little bit different. You're, you're younger with it. You're doing it newer. So it's. Uh, you're new to it, so maybe you have a different perspective. We were just yeah. literally sitting in my hotel room talking about this an hour ago exactly. where he's doing what I'm doing, well, I'm doing what he's doing, but he's just been doing it for a lot longer. Twice and as long and doing twice, twice as long. long. His salon is twice as big. That kind of makes sense, you know? So when you can get that kind of perspective, it's priceless. Totally priceless. It is priceless. It is priceless. And the thing about it, like you just hit on it, is like it's that relationship thing. And, and you know, I kind of came to the realization – uh, I think I told you this, David, not not too long ago, is I was never good behind the chair. That's why I'm not behind the chair anymore. I'm not good behind the chair. I I, I don't care about anybody who's not a hairdresser. Like I get along with I get along with three cups of bartenders and reps, and that's about the extent of it. You know? <laughs> so I just never cared about them. So it's like like I was like, well, I just I gotta leave, I gotta leave the salon because it's I don't care about them. And you know, the fact that you guys are still doing it and you're still able to also like network with, with other hairdressers, I respect that because like like I do miss the salon environment. I just miss hanging out with hairdressers in the salon. I don't really miss doing the the, the client because I don't care about them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you have to also like that's okay, you know. Yeah, it is. Salon. It is. Yeah. And it's yeah. almost like when you're in the salon, it's okay. For me, I don't think that I need to be great at every single category that hair entails. Yeah. If I'm gonna be with a client, I yeah. think I need to be open to the idea of learning everything. But as far as like, especially when you become a salon owner, we were literally just we talking. We were. Where. And we try to help impart this into our team mentality too, which is harder because there's an income thing that can kind of come there. But let's say that I have someone in my chair that I specifically know one of my younger new talent stylists can do this better than what I can do. I am so moving that client over. Taking them over and send them to someone else. I'm setting everyone up for success. The client, my other hairdresser, and myself. 
Yeah. As opposed to acting like I need to be the best at every single category of what I do. I've decided to specialize more in haircutting. And that's where I decided to like push my education and career. And, you know, that's really what I do 90% of the time. Now I still do color. There's no doubt about it. I don't push color away, but I'm not really building new color clients. I'm getting new haircut clients that yeah. are also getting colored within my salon, whether it's my wife coloring them or another member of my team. So yeah. You gotta figure out what your niche is and like living it's, it's actually the same thing as if you when you're going if you're moving into the world of education. Yeah. We were just talking it's about this segue. because true. Yeah. because as we move into the world of education and teaching, um, Nick Rojo always tells me this. He's like, Stephen, you do everything. And he just throws me to like you do perms, you do color, you do razor, you do scissor, you do updos. He's like, you do everything. But in the long run, it's actually hurt me as an educator because mm -hmm. I'm so diversified that I'm not concentrated on one, like one focus. Yeah. You know, it's like, am I a texture guy or am I a razor guy? Yeah. Am yeah. I, and, you know, and I think it's important to, as a, as an educator and also as a stylist behind the chairs, be good at what you're really good at and kind of like start to move away, you know, into other directions and pass clients on. Yeah, and I think and that- same like, thing with education. And that, and that happens like at levels of your career. You know, in the beginning, right. you just take a client that's willing to let you touch them, <laughs> you know, yeah. let alone, you know, be picky about what it is you want to do. And this is what I try to teach my team when they're early and when they're new. It's like, don't say that you don't take men. Say that you need, then tell then pull me aside and say, you know what, I'm not comfortable doing men because- I'm not, my skill set isn't there. I need help understanding how to do yeah. that haircut. And then let's work together yeah. so that you can feel comfortable. I don't want to set you up for failure, yeah. but I don't want you to also shut yourself out to either a great new client, because we all know if you are a hairdresser behind the chair and you have male clientele, some of the most loyal, best clients you could possibly ask for are men. Yeah. And that's the reality. I've, I've barbered a lot throughout my career and those um, men that I've cut for the past 10 years, they've come to me still to this day, they'll pay the same haircut price as a female and they get color for their hair. So it's like, let's not like eliminate them as a part of your clientele. That's shutting down how you build. As you grow in your career and maybe when you can be a little bit more particular about what you desire to build, then yeah, you can be a little bit more, but that really totally depends on like where you are in your career. And same thing with education. So to Stephen's point, if as you're growing in, the, in your field, now you're like, you know what? I want to step outside of the salon and I want to get into education. My thing that you need to first do is become the best student you could ever become in your entire life. Right. And literally view it only through the student lens. Like, that's it. Just be the student. And I, for me, what I did was, like I said before, was I picked one manufacturer for that moment to like really dive into mm -hmm. deep so that I could be a student of all things Arojo. So call it Arojo, call it Sassoon, call it, you know, Bumble and Bumble, call it- TG, whatever. TG, whatever, whatever it is, it's, it's not about the manufacturer. It, to me, it was more about getting involved in something that you could fully grasp and understand their concepts and yeah. their way of thinking it's, and their way of education. It's like streamlining. It's just like yeah. being single focus. It got rid of all the other noise for me. Um, and then when I started to look at other videos or maybe attend another class, like I went to Sassoon's ABC class in Manhattan and I, I specifically took that class a couple of years later so that I could like 
expand my mm-hmm. foundation that much yeah. further. Then I was able to like not be confused and take Sassoon for what they were teaching and then compare it a little bit to what I had learned from Orojo and see what intertwined because a lot of what the foundations in haircutting are very similar across the board for any manufacturer. Exactly. So that's where I was able to like start to build it. And then I said, oh, well, I want to be able to teach so that when I started to do that, I started to teach my own team first. And it was like building the team within my salon and passing on maybe what I had learned because I recorded or I took notes and I started to now look at it through the educator lens and through the teacher's lens and figure out what worked for me, what didn't, what stopped me from learning, what were some of my pitfalls, what was my own self getting in my own way, whether it was ego or, you know, a million different things that we could talk about. But that's when I started to make the transition to say, okay, well, I want to do like what Steven Adams does or Ryan Teal does because I wasn't at that level yet. When I met Steven, I was like a, a, I don't I think I owned he, a salon for less than a year. Yeah, no, probably. You know, it was like less than a year. And I'm looking at Steven as a <laughs> very high up a salon owner, educator, had worked his way through different manufacturers from Aveda through Paul Mitchell and had this really incredible pedigree. And for me, it was just trying to like be around it, absorb it, be humble enough to like say, okay, I don't know that. So let me just learn it. Um, and just continue to put myself in that space so that I could learn it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, makes, that makes total sense. And what's nice about that too, is that like, if you do specialize in education, such as, okay, I'm just a haircutter or I'm a colorist or I do whatever, you can rebrand every couple of years. I mean, uh, you could go like seven years and then, and then you know, rebrand yourself as a hairdresser or rebrand yourself as a colorist. Yeah. I mean, Madonna does it every seven years. How come we can't? You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and like I was a long hair dresser. I made my name off of doing long hair dressing and wigs. You did. What? Have you seen me dress hair? What? You know? No. <laughs> I've only seen you cut hair. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I'm originally a long hair dresser because nobody was doing long hair dressing when I got in the industry. So, so I did, went and did that because I didn't want to compete. I built a name doing long hair dressing, and I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm more of a haircutter than a long hair dresser, and I just fell into that now. So, exactly. I love, I love that specialization. I've always branded myself as jack of all trades. But when you're a jack of all trades, you you, you can't be everything to everybody, but you could be something amazing to to you know a few. Right. Know? I think that's. It's, it's, it's interesting because like four years ago, I was only teaching texture classes. And now it's like, now I'm teaching more razor cutting. Mm-hmm. Classes. And so it's like, I guess I kind of morph and do it, but I'm, it, you really do need to have it be very, very kind of like focused. So, yeah. For me, like, you know, I felt like when I'm looking at the sea of education in, in our industry, which of course has changed so dramatically with, it was so manufacturer driven for so mm-hmm. long. It was really only manufacturer. You didn't have independent education, really. I um, mean, maybe some pockets of it, but obviously the majority was manufacturer driven. You went to a Sassoon class, you went to a Paul Mitchell class, you could, you know, whatever the case may be, whatever the manufacturer was. But with um, Instagram and with um, social media in general, you have educators all over the place, YouTube and tutorials and all that kind of stuff. So I felt like for me, my, um, I had to figure out what my niche is and where, um, where I could speak to people the most and create the most impact. Cause I can come and teach you a one length Bob, no problem, but so can about 300 other hairdressers that yeah. do it really well too. And I can, I'll teach you the right way and you'll learn a great one length Bob, but is that where I'm going to make the most impact for me and for my 
students or the people that I'm teaching. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is like my niche has become much more on the inspiration, the business side, and then I back end that or support that with really solid haircutting, whether it's razor or yep. scissor. That's typically kind of what I'm finding the niche for me is where my demand has become much more. And okay, I want I want to bring you in to talk to my team to help inspire them, motivate them, give them perspective. Or I want to bring you into this group of sales reps where you can help inspire them, motivate them, give them perspective of a business owner, a salon owner that kind of gets it. Um, and then also my niche is talking to salon owners and helping them really get out of their own way and figure yeah. out. You can do this thing the right way. You can actually make an income. You can actually still be a hairdresser, mm -hmm. but you have to be willing to learn how to be a business person also because right. you do own a business now. Now, you've been doing this with um, – how long have you been working with Inspired Champions? Um, I worked with Inspired Champions as a client of theirs early up front. So during the journey I was telling you about earlier where I was like going through this technical education journey. I'm going to go get a light. I'll be right yeah, back. Yeah. Um, while I was going through this technical education journey, I was also trying to figure out, okay, well, that's this side. What's this side, which is the business side? How do I figure out how to like, like, how do I compensate my team correctly? How do I price my salon out correctly? You're not going to learn that at a technical hairdressing class. Um, how am I going to um, work my payroll structure properly? How am I going to order properly? And my, am I paying too much in rent? What's my overhead like? Um, how do I build a training system for my actual team and learn to hire the correct way. How do I actually hire? What's my hiring process look like? All of those kind of questions. I could keep going down the list of the 300 other questions that most ask when they're salon owners. And I said, you know what? I got to get with someone that kind of gets that. So Inspiring Champions is a company that's been around for a long time. Um, and they've helped me a lot um, in coaching and in just understanding that business side where you put the scissor down, the razor down, the comb down, and you really start to understand, you know, what you're looking for as an actual business owner to create revenue, to create success and to build your salon to where you want it to be. Because at the end of the day, this is the truth for salon owners and for hairdressers. This is OK, too. It's OK to say you need to make money. I feel like this is a taboo thing to say because we're in this craft that we love and we should like be willing to do it for free. You should be willing to do it for free as long as you're also doing something else for money. But most of us, this is all we do. So for me, it's like I, I can't be willing to do it for free as much as I love it because I have to support a life. And I think whoa. that, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Be light. technology. <laughs> Wait, we didn't get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But that, that to me is like a really big thing to understand that there are dollars and cents that go into this. And to make it really work, you have to be savvy enough to understand how to increase Ooh. the life. Next week, we'll be with Derek Anthony for part two of this super important podcast. Thank you so much again for listening to the super important podcast about hair. Featuring Stephen Adams and the host Ryan Teal. Hopefully we'll see you again. If you want to follow us, follow us at a super important podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and our website, superimportantpodcast.com. This way you can follow us also on Apple and also on Google.